0: for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. How many of you are glad to be in the house today? Next weekend, um, my wife is going to be preaching, because I don't know how many of you guys know this, it is Mother's Day. And so just make note of that. Um, So she's preaching, and then one thing, it's just like side note, Um, is I do this email every Monday called Unfiltered Talk, and so I deal with uh, everyday culture, um, everyday life kind of stuff, and it's just another way for me to provide content. One of the questions I get a lot, depending on people's different religious backgrounds, denominations, what I totally get, is the whole idea of women and influence and leadership and preaching. So I'm going to spend two weeks, not tomorrow, but next Monday, talking about that on that email of why uh, we believe it's a biblical practice and it's right, and the two verses that's been ripped out of context um, need to be put into context context. And so that might be you. I get your questions. So we're going to answer those over the next two weeks because I just feel like this is a good time. And we already mentioned this, but her gathering was unbelievable yesterday. It was absolutely fire. So um, when I was a freshman in college, so I got into scuba diving and did that for a little while. And so me and my friends would, we actually traveled to multiple places around, you know, from Bahamas to the Keys to these different places, and we actually scuba dive. And one of the places we went was Key Largo. It was like right after freshman year, we traveled down there. It was me, four other guys, and we rented this like two story, like condo thing that we were gonna stay in for a couple days. We actually did a shark dive down there, which is super cool. And we were in this condo, and I was upstairs. They were all downstairs, like watching a movie or something. And I go to walk down the stairs, and it was, it was pretty steep. Like, the stairs went down, and then there's a doorway at the end of the stairs. Like, that's the entryway. It's like this big. And so as I'm taking the first step, I have socks on, and my feet go out from under me, and these, this is a pretty long drop. And I proceeded to not just like slide and like hit my tailbone, but to somehow flip all the way over and just tumble down the stairs, like bum, 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 bum. All the way down, I couldn't catch myself until I slammed into the front door um, of this condo. And immediately, like, I just felt like, number one, I didn't wanna get up. I, I felt like I was gonna die. Um, and I messed up my body and I, I tweaked my ankle, all this stuff, but then I immediately jumped up as quick as I could because my concern was not my body, my concern was not my health, my concern was not whether I broke anything, my concern was did the four other guys in that condo Number one, hear me. Number two, see me. So I like very cautiously uh, peered around the corner only to find all four of them unable to stand up and crying in the like living room that we had because they could not control themselves over my apparently lack of any coordination and stupidity to fall all the way down those stairs. And for the rest of the trip, like I hurt. I didn't tell anybody that I hurt, but like it was a bad fall. (laughs) And I say all that to say this we've, in this whole series, talked about thriving and not just surviving, and that's what God has called us to do, that I've come to give you life and life to the full. And yet I understand the reality of it. I understand for some of you, even some of what we've talked about has kind of been in this place for you. If I'm not there, I'm just trying to survive. And honestly, there's some area of my life where I just feel like I've had an and so it's good, I'm on board, I want that. I do feel like Jesus is inviting me into that, but it's almost like I, I don't know if I am there. And where I wanted to go in this message is just to say this one simple thing, and I'm gonna unpack it for a couple minutes, is for you, where you are right now, there may not be some big, bold step of faith you need to take. There, there may not even be big dreams that you're hanging on to. You're just not in that place right now. Like sometimes you do get to the place where you have to survive for a season in order to eventually thrive. And the place for you, the starting place for you in taking back your life is getting up when you've given up. And just deciding, like, this is it, this is the message, that I'm going to fight even if it is hard to fight. I love what the author of Proverbs says in 24:16, when he said the godly may trip seven times, but they'll get up again. And for some of you, you're in this place of there's disappointment and there's hurt, and there's maybe anger, and, and there's this thing of, I'm never, I'm never gonna get this thing back. It's never gonna go back. It's never gonna be what I wished it to be. There's discouragement, there's pain, and you just, come on, real life, you get to this place of, I don't know if I have enough to keep going and to get to the other side of this. I don't know if I have enough to keep fighting. The word that you see all throughout the New Testament, and really, this relates to every area of life, is this word, perseverance. And the definition of perseverance is just this, it's persistence to keep doing something despite difficulty or despite delay in achieving success. It's what Paul wrote to the Roman Christians who, like if anybody knew about this, it was that group of people under Nero where the future was so unbelievably uncertain, they didn't know like physically if they were going to survive. And Paul wrote them to go, I understand it's hard, I get it. I understand you're not at the place where you don't feel like you're thriving. You're just trying to stay alive. And Paul writes, we also, Romans 5, 3, glory in our sufferings, meaning something can come out of this because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character ultimately hope. And what Paul is saying to this group of Roman Christians who are barely hanging on, if you can just get to the other side of this, God will do something in you and God will do something in terms of your view of your circumstances, that literally God will multiply hope for your future if you can just get on the other side of this and not let go and not abandon God, and not run, and not bail where you know you're being called to stay, and it may not look pretty, it may be messy, you may just have a little bit of faith, but that's your bold next step is, with that little bit of faith, I'm not going to give up, I'm going to get back up. And Paul's like, that's what it looks like for you, because here's the reality. And again, this is true in life, this is true spiritually. And this, I think, honestly, this principle is one of the most overlooked in spiritual growth. It's one of the most under-celebrated because it's just not that sexy. Sometimes you just got to grind. And the reality is that perseverance ultimately is the pathway to your potential. Mm. Everything that God wants to do in you and making you is going to be born out of those seasons that you would you would do away with if you could, and born out of those seasons that are the most um, potential or temptation ultimately to give up. In fact, secular psychologists and just like thinkers in general talk about the fact that perseverance literally requires practice. Like we're talking about practice. Okay, I just want to see if anybody's gonna get that reference. Um, Alan Iverson, anytime drop Allen Iverson. Okay. Um, I was, the, the beginning of last year, I was speaking at this university and there was hundreds of students in there. Um, and this was so like, okay, I need to be careful. Um, where I dropped this whole thing, like the Allen Iverson press conference. Some of you, again, know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. And I, I did it and I was like, they'll, they'll connect with this. Nothing. Like hundreds of students. And I realized they weren't even alive when that press conference happened like 18 years ago. And I'm an idiot and I should pay more attention. So anyway, like, but the reality is this, like it, it, it is an opportunity because here is what is true. The number one measure of success is your ability to persevere through stuff. In fact, uh, Forbes did a recent article, and again, this is just general life stuff, that the number one measure of success of entrepreneurs was just their willingness to not give up. That the thing that separated is when it gets hard, when there's obstacles, when we don't know if we've got what it takes, when everybody's saying you should just quit, I'm, I'm just going to keep going anyway. I'm going to keep grinding anyway. Um, one of my favorite examples is Walt Disney, and I've read biographies and documentaries because it's what I do and my wife makes fun of me, but um, I love his story. But his story is fascinating because for years, I mean, a couple decades, no success whatsoever. Got fired from a couple jobs finally moved to LA. And when he moved to LA, he was shopping the idea of the Mickey Mouse. And if you're outside of the country, the whole Walt Disney World Empire thing, and he's shopping. it, And literally the feedback to his whole Mickey Mouse sketch idea was, word for word, it is destined to fail. At like 30 years old, he was eating dog food, which my one-year-old does that. But when you're 30, you're like, it's maybe time for a career change. And he just kept grinding, kept going, didn't stop. And I just want to tell you, your bold step of faith, your move forward, you're taking back your life right now. The application for you is just get back up. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't bail on God. Take the little bit a faith that you have and keep going and don't lose hope and don't stop fighting because I'm telling you where you want to give up is where God wants to show up. And it's not going to be easy. There's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is around Elijah And I think it illustrates this in an incredible way. And as I was looking through this narrative, there's there's really four things I think that you get in regard to persevering and keep going and getting back up and not giving up. And I don't know if you know the story or not, Elijah basically has this showdown um, with the prophets of Baal. So Elijah was a prophet, which just meant spokesman for God, basically. So he spoke to the people on behalf of God, that's how God did it at that season. And so it's like, you're my guy, I'm gonna tell the people what I wanna tell them through you, and there was these prophets of Baal where basically they would worship these graven images and they had all these ritualistic practices of how they would do it. And so long story short, you can read it for yourself, But they have this showdown where they're going to basically prove who the one true God is. Is it Yahweh, the God that Elijah serves? Or is it the prophets of Baal? And so they both build these altars. And Elijah's like, you guys can go first. And so they begin to basically cry out to their gods, the prophets of Baal, to rain down fire from heaven. And this would be the indicator that, like, our God is the God. Our God is legit. So the prophets of Baal, they start to circle this thing and they have all these crazy practices where they would uh, cry out, they would dance, they would cut, they would do all kinds of things. And so they did this for hours. They would just walk around this thing, dancing and crying and praying, whatever that looked like for them and asking the prophets of Baal to rain down fire. And then I, I love Elijah during this whole thing because he's off to the side like Spike Lee, courtside at a Knicks game going, hey, uh, may, maybe your God is, maybe he's tired maybe your God didn't hear you and you guys should get a little bit louder. Or maybe like, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe you're, maybe the prophet, he just needs some sleep and so he hasn't heard you yet. So if you guys keep going, maybe he'll wake up and like just talk and noise the entire time. And so finally, after hours and hours and hours, nothing happens and so Elijah's like, it's our turn. So they have their altar and they just decide to up the ante because this, this is like where Elijah's at, feeling pretty confident. We're just gonna pour water over the whole thing. And so if God rains down fire from heaven, there is no doubt. And so Elijah and and the others, they begin to cry out and they begin to pray to God. And again, if you know the story, it's a famous Bible story. Maybe you did it on flannel graph, you know what that, that means. But God rains down fire from heaven and he burns up this altar, even with the water on it, as this indicator that Yahweh is the one and true God. And so it's this massive victory for Elijah. Like if you're a prophet of God, it's a good day at the office, Like this whole thing just went down. Like there is no doubt, like a bunch of the prophets of Baal and the others basically got wiped out through this whole thing. And so Elijah's like, okay, we we made our point. Like God has intervened, God has moved, God has interacted on our behalf in in a significant way and we're never gonna forget it. And then they walked away from that whole scenario in 1 Kings 19.1. And when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, his wife, Everything Elijah had done, including the ways that he had killed the prophets of Baal. And verse 2, so Jezebel sent this message because this was their prophets. This was their team, prophets of Baal. He sent this message to Elijah, Jezebel did. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time, what's the word? If by this time, one more time, tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. And then if you don't know the end of the story, you'd expect the same swagger from Elijah. So what? Like our God just burned up this altar, made it very, very clear he's the one true God. We're not in any shortage for power. We'll be good. And yet Elijah, verse 3, was afraid immediately. And he fled for his life. And he went to Beersheba, the town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And like, isn't this just like real life? Things are great. Things are amazing. I don't know if I have what it takes to keep going. (laughs) Things are so good. Like, things are tracking in all of the direction I want. I don't know if I can make it through today. And a lot of times, we live in dual seasons. Like, have you ever noticed, at least like in my life, anytime something is really, really good, inevitably there's something that sucks simultaneously, And the thing is, this has the power to overshadow this almost every single time. (laughs) And in an instant, like Elijah barely gets home and gets out of the shower after this day. And all of a sudden, even though God had shown up in an amazing way, immediately fear grips Elijah and he doesn't feel like he even has enough to keep going, to keep functioning. And yet God's going, hey, Elijah, dude, I'm telling you, what I'm about to do right now is gonna be way more than you're ever gonna learn from that pep rally you just had. I want you to to stick with me. And yet, this is really the first thing if you're gonna persevere and you're gonna move through wherever you are right now and just not give up and get back up. The first thing is you gotta anchor yourself to what is true today. And it is so hard to do. Like, I know there's a lot of stuff swirling. I know you're afraid and all of the imaginary conversations in your mind and the scenarios and where this is gonna go and how they may respond, rooting yourself to go, okay, but in this moment, I'm good. In this moment, they're good. In this moment, I'm gonna focus on God's faithfulness. In this moment, I'm gonna remember what God just did and not allow this to overwhelm everything else in my life to where my imagination begins to go to the future where I don't have what it takes to get through today. Because this is where Elijah's at. The fear of what might happen tomorrow overwhelmed what God did yesterday and completely took the legs out from under him to cope today. And and here's just the reality for all of us. Like you'll hear the statement all the time, I could never face that, I could never face that. Because for a lot of us or for a lot of you, you're imagining facing something that God has not equipped, called, or empowered you to face. Because here's what the scripture teaches, is that God will give you just enough sustaining grace for today. And sustaining grace is not like the grace at salvation, it's, it's literally, the scripture talks about this grace of what you need, when you need it, to make it through what you've been asked to walk through right now. Just to get to the other side, just to hang on just to barely scratch and claw and cling to faith, but that's enough. God will give you the grace that you need, but he gives it on an as needed basis. And for some of us, what we do so easily, and this goes back to week one, and the fact that you have the power to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, is that you reach into the future with your imagination and you take all of the emotion of a future scenario and you bring it into today, but you have not been equipped called or empowered to be able to handle that emotion. All right. That's not what God has for you today. And you'll make statements like, well, I just don't know if I could ever walk through that. You can't until you have to. That's right. That's God will give you what you need when you need it. And for some of us, you're in a place where you're stuck mentally or emotionally because you are in a place future-wise that God has not called you to, and God may never call you to that. Yeah. The reality is a lot of times where our imagination and mind are going are things that ultimately are never even gonna happen and you are robbing yourself of what God wants to do today. God's sustaining grace today for something tomorrow that God may never even allow you to walk through. It's a job loss. It's Am I gonna be single forever? Is this gonna ever get any better? Am I gonna be able to run? to recover from this, and ultimately that's the place where you are most tempted to peace out and run from God. Or to go, I just can't handle this, I can't do this, I'm disengaged, shut down, lose hope, self-medicate, and God's going, would you trust me, and would you fight for today? Would you anchor yourself to what is true today? I know there's uncertainty about tomorrow, but you're good today. I know that you're not sure what's gonna happen tomorrow, but do you remember what I did yesterday? I want you to anchor yourself to what is true today and yet Elijah couldn't do that and so verse four, he went alone because I can't face this, I can't endure this, I can't keep functioning like this and he went into the wilderness traveling all day. I'll just real quick because this is the second thing. This wasn't like he's going into the wilderness to like reset mentally or replenish or all, of which is a healthy thing. He's simply going into the wilderness because again, he cannot face reality, he cannot face life, and so he's gotta do whatever he can to get out of there, and for him, it was physical running. I just gotta get out of here. And here's the reality, to quote Furtick, God, or I should say, the enemy always wants to fight you in isolation because this is just true man, when you are isolated, like sometimes physically isolated, isolated in relationships, or you have a couple relationships family wise but there's nothing outside of that, is that ultimately you move to a place where you're not at your best mentally. You're not at your best emotionally, you're not at your best spiritually, you're sometimes not at your best physically and it's why, like I can't preach this enough. If you don't do anything else as part of our church, or you're part of our online groups and we have these um, based on internet groups, you've got to get into community man. Best step you could take is to get into next steps, make it a priority. It's not the greatest sacrifice in the world and then figure out interest group, community group, whatever it is, I'm gonna make time, I'm gonna make margin and I'm gonna root myself into community, not just for what is happening right now, but for what's gonna happen in the future that I don't even know about yet. You have to have community. Do not, second thing, run from relationships because ultimately it distorts reality and there is nobody to anchor you when you need anchored the most. And Elijah's in this place, man, where he just runs and he runs from relationships and he runs from, I just can't cope with life and it begins to distort reality for him and he runs out into the desert as quick as he possibly can and he sat down under a solitary broom tree Kind of a trigger warning. Next couple of verses, that he might die. He's like, "I've had enough. Like I, I can't keep going. I can't keep doing this. I can't make it through this." And I'm a prophet of God, but I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And I, I just, I just give up. And I just want to say this real quick. This guy is a prophet of God, the voice of God. In a sense, standing as God's ambassador to the people to speak on God's behalf. And I just wanna say this, because you see it in the life of Elijah and, and he's included as in general as the prophets in Hebrews chapter 11, which is referred to as like the hall of faith, which is really interesting to me because you need to know if you're struggling right now and you've struggled, whether it's mental illness, whether it's suicide, anxiety, depression, Just take this from Elijah, the prophet of God, that mental illness does not disqualify you from God using you. And God's writing a story, and it's why it's in here. Spokesman, prophet of God, I don't know if I can continue with my life. And supposedly I'm the closest man on the planet to the living reigning king. And so he got down under the, the bush and he fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, and I love this, the angel doesn't wake him up, which the angel is really, I think, a, this is a whole nother theological thing, a manifestation of, of, of Jesus in that moment. It's called an angel of the Lord. You see it all throughout the Old Testament. So I think it's Jesus himself, but he shows up and he wakes up Elijah and he doesn't wake him up with like, hey, we need to go over a couple verses real quick. <laughs> like, what, what are you doing here? You need to mount up on wings like eagles, okay? You need, he says this, get up and eat some food. Get Elijah, get up. Elijah, get back up. And this is not a time for me to lecture you, give you a couple of verses. You need some food. And then he looked around, and there by his head was some baked bread, and it was over coals and a jar of water, and he ate and drank, and, he, and then he lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came back again. And by the way, like, if you want an angel to show up, this is the angel. Like, sleep, and then you wake up, like, here's some food for you. Like, that's exactly <laughs> what you want. And the angel of the Lord came back second time and touched him and said, Elijah, get up. Get back up. Get back up, get back up and eat for the journey is too much for you. And then verse eight, so Elijah, because the more you do this, the better you get. (laughs) The more you face it, the more that you get to the other side of it, the better that it gets, the easier it gets in the future. So finally, Elijah gets back up and I love this because the whole time Elijah's running from God and God's going, Elijah, you can try to outrun me, but I'm gonna be here no matter what. You can try to move off into the desert, disconnect from relationships, allow yourself to be obsessed and controlled about tomorrow. I'm coming with you anyway, and I love this, because the whole time the angel's going, hey, get up, get up, Elijah, get up, get up. Basically, I'm gonna be with you the entire time until you have enough strength to keep going. I'm not gonna leave you. I'm not gonna forsake you. And to where you finally have enough to keep moving and to keep going and to face life again, I'm gonna be with you every step of the way. And so finally, verse eight, he got up. He got back up and he ate and he drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And I just wanna mention this because this is the third thing that I think is so overlooked and so important because we want to spiritualize certain things, not spiritualize other things, you need to cultivate physical endurance in regard to what you're facing and what you've been called to persevere. Like, come on, isn't this true? Just rest itself has the power to completely change your perspective. And like in this moment, the reason the angel doesn't wake him up and give him a bunch more verses is because Elijah didn't, Elijah knew all the verses, Elijah knew the Old Testament scriptures. Elijah didn't need that in this moment. What Elijah needed was new perspective and the strength to be able to keep going. And here's the thing to quote Levi Lesko, The enemies always work in the night shift. Always trying to wake you up at 2 a.m. to whisper in your ear, to move you to the future, to get you obsessing about tomorrow. And it's why in Psalms it says this, that, that literally rejoicing comes in the morning. Because there's something about perspective. There's something about like just that idea of I'm going to try to lean into those things that are going to help me survive this season. And what a lot of us do is we will, we will put all of our attention on obsessing about and trying to control circumstances we can't control. And we spend no time trying to manage endurance to make it through that circumstance. Like, just rest gains perspective, and ultimately perspective will determine your endurance. Here's what I would encourage you in the season that you're in, because some of you are in this place where as soon as they change, or as soon as my perspective, or as soon as the circumstances change, then I'll be able to find joy, or then I'll be able to find some measure of happiness, or things will be better for me, and you can't wait even in the midst of, I get it, dual seasons of this is really, really bad, but I bet you there is something in your life that God is doing that you can point to. I bet there's something in your life, even right now through this hellish season, where you can find some joy, some happiness. What, Literally, whether it's food, whether it's getting away, whether it's sex, whether it's good wine and good food with friends, whether it's this thing that replenishes your soul, but it's not, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this as soon as circumstances get better. no, no. You need to find joy and some measure of happiness in the middle of it if you're going to get to the other side of it. That's why Nehemiah 8.10 says this, is that the joy of the Lord is my strength. What Nehemiah was saying in the midst of a massive building project where they were trying to restructure Israel, and there was so much opposition against them, and they would have every reason to waller in their circumstances And to give up, Nehemiah's like, no, we're gonna find joy in the middle of this in order to get to the other side of it because literally that joy gives us strength to endure the circumstances that we've been called to walk through. I don't know if that spoke to anybody because I didn't hear anybody during that, so we'll just keep going. I got one more, verse nine. Then he came to a cave where he spent the night and then Elijah replied, and this is Elijah now. He's up on his feet, he's got some food, he's feeling a little bit better and now he starts to rehearse his speech. And he says this, I have I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. Basically, Elijah's like, God, I've been so faithful. I've done everything right. Heck, I'm a prophet of God. Like I'm your I'm your guy. I've tried to constantly do the right things. I've tried to constantly be faithful. And he's like, I've served you zealously, but the people of Israel have broken down their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They killed every one of your prophets. And I am the only one that's left, which wasn't even true. But it was distorted reality because that's what happens when you isolate yourself, when you move to a future that you haven't been even been called to, when you're not concentrating on building endurance to make it through what you've been called to persevere through in the moment. And so he's like, I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. And basically what Elijah reveals is something that I think in every single one of us, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's in every single one of this thing, that a lot of times where the ease or the comfort or the prosperity that we had experienced in one season or area of our life when it finally fades, in a lot of cases, it will reveal what our hope and our faith has been anchored to. Wow. And for a lot of us, what we discover in those moments is kind of uncomfortable, is our faith is anchored to this idea that if I am faithful, then God owes me. Mm-hmm. Kate Baller, an incredible book that she wrote... Um, Everything happens for a reason in other lives, I believed. I think is the title of it. She just has this statement, which I love. I've quoted this so many times, is that there's a little bit of prosperity theology in all of us. Prosperity theology is just this idea of quid pro quo. If I do this, then God's going to respond. If I'm faithful, then it's going to work out for me. And every once in a while, where all of a sudden you find yourself getting disappointed, disillusioned, and angry at God because it hasn't worked out the way you wanted, and you have been so faithful. There's a little bit of God. I think that you owe me, and that's why the fourth thing is this. If you are gonna persevere and get back up, you have to abandon the idea that God's activity should equal your prosperity. Listen, this is an uncomfortable tension, but it's just a true tension. Suffering and hardship and lack of priority or prosperity isn't an indicator of God's absence. And it's not an indicator of God's anger. And it's not an indicator of God's inactivity or God's love or God's faithfulness. It is the promise that we opened up the series with that Jesus said to all of us, I promise you life and life to the full. I've also promised you that in this world you will have trouble. It's John the Baptist in prison. (laughs) Jesus said of John the Baptist that he was the greatest man born of woman. That's pretty much top of the hierarchy. Like other than Jesus, like John's the guy, the forerunner for Jesus. And John gets to this place in his ministry where he's thrown in prison for no reason. And he starts to doubt, because that's what you do when you faithfully follow Jesus and you end up in prison for no reason. John like sends a letter to Jesus through the disciples to go, hey, could you just ask Jesus, because I'm starting to doubt, is he the guy? Because I think if he's the guy, it shouldn't end up this way for me. I've done everything right. And then I love Jesus' response. Hey, tell John this, I'm the guy. Tell him the lame walk, and the blind see, and the dead receive sight, and John's going to stay in prison. And don't forget to tell him, I love him. It's Joseph in Genesis, the story of Joseph, where he's betrayed and rejected by his family. He's sold into slavery. Dude does everything right. Right. Gets falsely accused of rape and thrown in prison. Does everything right. Gets forgotten about for several years. And the whole time there's this little phrase all throughout Joseph's story, and God was with him. He's thrown in prison. Hey, Joseph, God's with you. (laughs) Falsely accused of what you didn't do. God's with you. Not working out the way that you wanted through most of your adult life, but God is with you. And then you got Paul, Paul who becomes the greatest church planner in history, does more to move forward the church and faith than anybody else in any generation, wrote two thirds of our New Testament, and he struggles most likely with mental illness in the New Testament, and he begins to cry out to God, hey God, you gotta take this from me. You gotta heal me of this. I can't make it through, I don't have what it takes. And Jesus, in essence, says to Paul, Paul, I love you so much and I've called you to do something unbelievably important in your generation and I'm not gonna take it away. And my grace will be sufficient to get you to the other side. Because your circumstances are not an indication of God's activity, God's anger, God's presence, God's faithfulness. God's love. I love the verse in Psalms forty six, twelve, that God is an ever-present help in trouble. The trouble that you create and the trouble that's created for you. And I love this because, again, Elijah is on the run and God's going, but you cannot outrun me. Like you're creating, some of this trouble is created for you. Now you're creating this trouble for yourself. You've moved yourself into this bad place. I'm not gonna leave you here because I am ever present. Meaning there is never a circumstance, situation, trouble or trial in your life where God is not present in the middle of it. And so God would say, yes, you have been faithful. And sometimes you're gonna suffer. Yes, I am for you. And you're facing trouble. Yes, I am with you, ever present, every step of the way. And it feels like I've been absent for the last decade. And yes, I am working in your situation. Even though your situation is not what you wished and not what you planned, do not give up. Do not give in. Come on. It is so difficult to maintain perseverance when you are disappointed with God. Yeah. Yes. Generally, around promises that God never made you. Yeah. But what he did say is, I am with you. I am for you. And I will work through this and through you if you would just get back up and not give up. Mm-hmm. And then verse 11 Go out. This is basically God's instruction to Elijah. Here's what you need to do next. Go out, stand before me on the mountain, and I'm gonna answer you. And so you maybe know this famous story, a windstorm comes and nothing. And then there's an earthquake, and Elijah's watching it all, nothing. Then there's a fire. And in verse 12, after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Because when you're in the middle of suffering and pain, that's generally all it takes. And when Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave and a voice said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, dude, what are you doing here? Why have you run here? Why did you run from me? Why have you lost hope? Why have you self-medicated? Why have you driven yourself to this place? for some of you, I never can read this passage without, it's so incredibly practical and personal. That's the question. Why are you here? And then Elijah goes back and he repeats his whole, whole message again, his whole like little repeated line again, like I've been so faithful and nobody else is faithful and I'm all on my own and God, where are you at? And then verse 15, and then the Lord told him, Elijah, I get it, shh go back the same way that you came. Meaning you gave up and you run and now you've got to go back and you've got to face what you haven't wanted to face and you have to persevere through it. And I'm not telling you it's gonna be easy. And I understand this is not where you want to be in life. And I understand for this season, you just need to survive and you need to cling to a little bit of faith, but that's enough. I want you to stop running from me. I want you to face it down. And I want you to trust me to get you to the other side. And then I love God's answer when he says, and when you arrive, and this is basically God's version of, and let me just tell you my plan because I've had one all along. I'm gonna anoint Haziel to be king of Aram and then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel and then anoint Eli- Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah to replace you as my prophet. We're gonna get a new one, but it's fine. Verse 17. <laughs> And anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. And then verse 18, and Elijah by the way, so you know. I'll preserve 7,000 others in Israel. You are not the only one. You think you're the only one because that's what happens when all of your attention goes to a future that God has not called, prepared, or equipped you for. That's what happens when you begin to run from relationship and from community. That's what happens when you isolate yourself. That's what happens when you start to believe in promises that somehow God is some version of a cosmic vending machine. And because I punched in the right buttons, I'm gonna get out exactly what I want in Elijah. It's driven you to this place where you can't even see reality. You're one of 7,000 who have been faithful. And I had a plan the entire time in Israel for those who have not bowed down to Baal. Elijah, I have already made provision. I just needed you to persevere. And you allowed fear to convince you that I'm not here. So, what are you doing here? And I think for some of us, like, On the verge of that thing where it's just we wanna give up or we've already given up or we've lost interest or we've in some ways bailed on God or we've run from God, we've distanced ourselves from God. I think the question is like, what what are you doing here? And and it's not that it's not hard and it's not that, that you may be in a place where you're not barely clinging to faith and it's not that you're in this place where you can understand any of it. But God's going, listen, do you not know what I've done yesterday and what I've promised for tomorrow? I want you to just get back up. That is your bold step of faith. Just hang on because perseverance is an opportunity for you to unlock potential. God said it, Paul wrote about it, that God is gonna use this to grow you into who he wants you to be. God's gonna use this to move in you, to clarify your future, and to give you the kind of thinking that you need around what God wants to do in this next season of your life. And you may be clinging to a little bit of faith, but I'm just telling you, the very thing where you are most tempted to give up is the very area where God wants to most show up. And you've got to hang on. Everything significant God wants to do is in those seasons. And I think what Paul is talking about in Romans is this, do not waste this moment. You would never choose it. God's gonna use it. I think one of the things, man, that I tried to preach early on a year ago in so much uncertainty, with so much crap hitting the fan, with so many walking through so many dark things, is that maybe for the first time in a long time, we actually got an opportunity to live some of this out. Because we don't live as Christians under Nero in Rome. I know you you think you're oppressed and whatever sometimes. Like, read first century church history. You're not. And it was an opportunity where it got really hard and there was some uncertainty about tomorrow to persevere. And I think... I think one of the things most discouraging about a lot of followers of Jesus is the moment they were in a position for God to really move, they checked out on God so fast. They just ran. They just disconnected from community. They just decided, I can't handle it. And the invitation is you need to get back up. One of the things that Dr. Carolyn Dweck talks about, she's a um, psychologist professor at at Stanford is that there is this inextricable link between perseverance and resilience, meaning the more you learn to persevere, the more you practice it, the better you get. It begins to build resilience in your life that literally you get more productive at handling failure. You get more productive at handling uncertainty. All of the, the self-centeredness um, that comes from suffering and pain, and that's not a knock on any of us, that's just the nature of pain. You hit yourself with a hammer, you are self-absorbed for a minute. It's like it's about me right now, it's about my pain. But as you begin to face, to persevere, to move on the other side, literally, you move past those emotions quickly. You move past the self-sabotaging tendencies quicker. You move past the emotionally fragile, I can't move on quicker. And so God's going, listen, spiritually speaking, you have an opportunity here. I want to grow your faith. I want to anchor your faith. I want to build perseverance and resilience in you that the next time you face something again, because by the way, you've been promised, you will face something again. I want you to be ready for it. And it's what James says in James 1, 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not because because circumstances are perfect, not because everything is worked out, but because you are not as dependent on your circumstances any longer. James is like, that's where I wanna get you. And you've met weird people like that where they're walking through what seems like hell. And it's not that they're disconnected from reality, but there is something about the anchor of their hope that they don't quit. They don't stop. They don't give up. They get back up. And so as we end, I just, I just wanna say this to some of you because I, I think I don't, as much as I can operate in the realm of like, I, I think God is impressing to say, that, that's all a little bit fuzzy, but I think God's impressing to say To many of you in this room and online and via podcast all over the place, that as we get ready to to start to wrap up this series, God is not done with you yet. And you need to get back up. And where you are most tempted to give up, you need to keep going because He has not given up on you. And His plan has not expired, and His will has not been thwarted and his grace has not been exalted. And I think he would say to you, I know that you have failed. I'm not done with you. I know that you are hurting. I'm not done with you. I know that you lost a husband. I know that you lost a wife. I'm not done with you. I know that it is not what you wished it was going to be. I'm not done with you, and I know it's hard. I am not done with you, and all I am asking you to do in this moment, God would say is I want you to get back up because if you get back up, if you don't quit, I will show up. Those who wait patiently on the Lord and don't give up cling to a little bit of faith. They will have their strength renewed. And come on, just last thing, I'm gonna close. You have every reason to keep going. You have every reason to not give up. You serve a savior that in the garden of Gethsemane said, is there another way? I don't know if I can face this. I don't know if I can get to the other side of this. I don't know if I have what it takes to do what you are calling me to do. And the answer was from his heavenly father was, no, there's not another way, but I will be with you. No, there's not another way, but my grace will be sufficient. No, there's not another way, but I'm going to empower you. And then our Savior went to the cross and endured what we should have endured and then walked out of a grave alive to make evidence in all of history that we serve a God that's the same God standing over the prophets of Baal. He is a resurrected Savior. He has power. He has strength. He's in control of tomorrow. And he says, I want you to trust me. And so from your resurrected Savior, the invitation is get back up. And it's not in your own effort. It's your faith to just go, God, I'm going to trust you. And it's Christ in you, empowering you. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Back up and do not give up. And my verse for you as we end and as you stand up on your feet wherever you are is Psalm 3418 all over the house because taking back your life for some of you is getting back up when you have given up in Psalm 3418, which may need to be your prayer in this season. It may need to be the thing that you cling to. It may be the thing that you need to write down and needs to become your anchor when you don't have anything else. Because there's no certainty. You don't know what God's doing. You don't know what tomorrow's gonna look like and you don't need to, to trust God. But Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Don't give up on him. Don't stay where you are. Don't keep running. He's not asking for a lot from you right now. He knows you, he knows me. And he knows what it feels like when we are crushed in spirit and we can barely get ourselves out of bed. Get back up. Because the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And you don't have to feel that to believe that. But all over the house, would you just pray with me online, via podcast, all of those right now joining us via unfiltered radio around the state and beyond, would, would you just in this moment, Jesus, I pray that, God, you would give comfort and sustaining grace and power and strength in this moment where we need it most, and you have promised to do that. And Lord, I feel so strongly just this impression among so many who I know are listening right now in this moment. This is your word to them. It doesn't have to be complicated. You're not asking for a lot. Just get back up. Just don't run from God. Don't bail in this thing that we know we have no business bailing on. God, just give us what we need for that. Just give us what we need to persevere through that. Give us the strength that we need to get on the other side of that, and we're gonna trust you. That our perseverance with Christ's power working in us, that you will do something in us, and you will do something with our perspective and our hope for the future. And that, God, we will see you, and we will experience you through this. And so we pray this in the resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways?